Hello and welcome back to another episode of Ends With Z. I'm Juan Fernandez, along with Cecile Munoz. And uh, you know, Cecile, in the world we live today, uh, where each day seems like the day before it, many of us are living on autopilot. That's right. I, mm-hmm. I think we count on that autopilot to be able to get through the day sometimes, just to be able to process and deal with all the things that are coming at us and all the uncertainty. That's right. Well, for me, a very simple example of this on podcasting days like today, I wake up in the morning, grab coffee, jump in the car, and 30 minutes later, boom, I'm here in our studios on the west side of town. For some, they might call it uh, zoning out. Mm-hmm. For others, it's going on autopilot. Uh, but when our executive producer, Sean Moe, brought this topic to us, I knew exactly where we were going with this. And it turns out, Cecile, autopilot is a built-in feature in all of us that we can either turn on or turn off when we need it. It's just how we use it that that really matters. It's really how we're hardwired, mm-hmm. and it's a survival mechanism. And I think the the real important piece in, the, in why when Sean brought up this topic, and uh, he also had a, a wonderful video that we saw that That's was, right. I think, a, a special mm-hmm. on PBS, if I'm not mistaken, which we'll also have in the show notes for people to to watch. It was part one. We both realized that what Sean was talking about was far deeper, far oh, yes. more important mm-hmm. than saying, yes, great, we're on autopilot. I remember being uh, in college and, and being able to just focus for hours, tune everything else out so that I could study for a particular exam. Yep. I feel that way on a day-to-day basis, just being able to mm-hmm. quiet the noise and focus. But it's such an important topic because if we're not aware of when we're on it, too much or we're not allowing ourselves to process what we're experiencing in in the middle of the world that we're living in today with so much coming at us, we will wake up someday in the future and realize that we we maybe slept, walked through a really Mm -hmm. important part of our life that needed our attention. And nobody really wants that realization, Cecile, to wake up one day and, and say, where have I been? Or I missed missed a real opportunity Mm -hmm. and I missed, um, addressing something that perhaps the consequence of which you are now dealing with. And and I, I also think it's, it's a, so important to really understand because knowledge is power, addressing, being mindful of things as we talk about in our podcast, allows us a better control of, of our own life and, and a better stewards in our life. Mm-hmm. And anything that we can provide our listeners and that we can use ourselves that will allow us to, to deal with all the stress, all the uncertainty, all the pressure because of Mm -hmm. the world that we live in today is a really good thing and a very important thing. And I just so appreciate having our next guest on the show. So today we brought in Los Angeles psychotherapist and author John Silimparis. He's a published author, contributor to the Huffington Post, a fellow podcaster, and someone sincere we thought was perfect to help break this all down. Yes, and what I really loved about talking to to John, and I went on and his podcast and I listened to some of his episodes. I went to his YouTube channel as well. And what I so respected about John, aside from his brilliant training and and education and, and his work, he is really a kind person that I personally walked away feeling that he really wants to help all of us, especially with our mental health and our mental strength mm-hmm. and help us just be in a better place mm-hmm. Through, mm-hmm. through this crisis. So um, let's take a listen, shall we? All right, joining us now is Los Angeles psychotherapist and author John Silimparis. Uh, John, thanks for being with us today. 
Thank you so much for having me. Today, uh, Cecile and I were talking about a very important subject, and that's operating on autopilot. Um, when we were first talking about this uh, subject, Cecile, we automatically knew what we were talking about, right? It almost like you know where we're going with this, right? We did, but for me, I think, uh, John, that when we thought about it, we thought, well, I know what that is. We just mm -hmm. do things on a perfunctory basis without thinking. But as we do with everything in this podcast, we stopped and said, well, is that what it really means? Is there more to it? Right. And and what actions or what belief systems are we embracing, especially because of everything coming at us? And certainly during the time of a pandemic where there's so much disruption, we sometimes feel rudderless. We said, well, maybe we should dive a little bit deeper. Maybe we should really fundamentally understand what what this does to a right. human being. And we thought, who better than to speak to someone of, of your training and your expertise. Right. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much. So John, you. can you explain what exactly is living on autopilot? Sure, and I, you know, I think it's a great subject because it's one of those things in life that we can't live without yet, we shouldn't have too much of. Hmm. And we're talking about being on autopilot. We're basically exercising an evolutionary psychological defense mechanism that protects us from overwhelm. You know, it's our default mode against too much sensory stimuli. Mm -hmm. So um, it has benefits um, and they're mainly in the short term, but they are necessary. It helps us to problem solve. It helps us to perform and complete tasks. It helps us to concentrate and focus. But the most important thing that it does is that it blocks out distractions and it basically filters out incoming stimuli that might, you know, overwhelm us in a way where would render us dysfunctional. So it's a look defense at, mechanism. Exactly. So since look at what's happened since March, since we went on lockdown, you know, it's been a quite a COVID-19 summer. And because human beings have between 30 and 40,000 thoughts a day, we can't attend to every single one. Mm -hmm. So our pilot has been good probably for most people to be able to focus on things they have control over in the here and now and not dwell on all of the fearful variables uh, about when COVID is going to end. Am I going to get affected? Am I, is my family going to get sick? And so forth. So it has a lot of benefits uh, to it. And, um, you know, uh, experts say that 40 to 50% of the time we are on automatic pilot. So let me so, let me just ask a quick question, if I may, uh, John. So if, it's something that we're all born with, right? It's something that is inherently in us as a human being, irrespective of... Yes gender or race or, or, or any of that are yes. some of us is the way we we grow up our uh, is society or cultural norms does that have an impact onto some things that we have some autopilot responses that we that we have and and how is that affected you you just said something really important we were talking about this mm -hmm. before we started the podcast that how many things we're forgetting to do we've so far have locked ourselves out of the house That's we right. we <laughs> i've left the stove the the pilot light on and and we think right. how could we do that we never do those things and it is it because of the so much coming at us and and this and this and over overloading from stimuli and and again how does our culture and how we grew up have an effect on some of these autopilot behaviors yeah so what's known now is that uh, there's nature nurture, as you know, mm -hmm. and um, certain people are wired to be better autopilot uh, operators and some are not. Um, the ones that have the ability to go on autopilot tend to be a little more balanced in their thinking and mm -hmm. have, you know, um, 
the ability to focus on things and then also focus on other important things when they need to. And then some people are born without that ability. And so it's hard to say what, but also the environment does trigger and spike anxiety symptoms. So it's a combination, it's a nexus of wiring as well as the environment. And I think, John, you know, now in the time of COVID, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people say the same thing. It's today feels like yesterday and yesterday felt like the day before that. And it seems like a everything's just very repetitive for us. And I know when I go into auto mode, you know, I, I need to leave the car keys in the bowl by the front door. I need to leave my shoes in, in the room closest to the garage. Just everything needs to, to seem to, to flow because I know I miss one of those steps and I might miss it. Is that something sort of like, like going on autopilot or, or am I trying yeah, to correct I, it in case I, I fall out of autopilot? No, that's a healthy autopilot. I think you need to have those types of behaviors and uh, even attitudes throughout the day so that you don't have to over-attend to them because you're over-attending to other things. Imagine over-focusing on getting dressed each day or driving your car. Um, those have to be uh, sort of automatic. But remember, automatic pilot has deficits too. Mm-hmm. And the most important ones are, one is like denial. When you're in autopilot, you don't know, always know that you're in autopilot because you're in autopilot. So people can be on autopilot for months, sometimes years, and not really realize it. So that's a bit of a deficit. The other deficit is, is that you don't want to create too much distance between you and your feelings. So the autopilot is good to get through the day, but uh, a chronic detachment from feelings can leave you feeling more depressed in the long run, maybe more anxious because you're not processing feelings. When you're on automatic pilot, you're a little bit numb to emotions. And so you might make poor decisions based on that numbness instead of the emotion. Another thing that it does is that it prevents us from building these uh, self-regulation tools, these tools mm-hmm. to, to manage our thresholds for a distress tolerance. So, um, so that you live life fully when you experience sadness, when you experience fear in a way that's not overwhelming, but in a way that you do feel it. And sometimes autopilot can keep you from that. So you need to give into your emotions. You need to give into your feelings. So, so let me ask you a follow-up question to that, yeah. John, because that, mm-hmm. that really sparked some thoughts in me because we, we are fascinated by, by, by the human nature, right? Mm-hmm. What, yes. what makes some people thrive? What makes some people challenging, th- thriving in certain areas? But more importantly, how do we become the stewards of our own life? And to us, the more you know about yourself and, and what thoughts causes actions, which causes feelings and causes actions, you said um, it, it'll, it, it stops you from feeling certain things. And I would imagine that potentially it could also cause you to have other other reactions and emotions if you're on autopilot from a certain level. So can you can you talk to us about if you're on autopilot and so much is coming at you, we walk outside and we fear dying. We don't walk outside and we fear not being able to provide for our families mm. because we're on lockdown and we mm. can't work. So it's a the duality of, yeah. of what do I do to save my life, but I could potentially lose my life. How does someone who is on autopilot and we're trying to shut it down and turn it on, how do you regulate that? What are some signs that we can see that we're potentially putting ourselves in even mm-hmm. more stress mm-hmm. but not acknowledging what we're experiencing? <laughs> I think the biggest sign is, is avoidance. You know, when people are avoiding situations, they don't want to talk about certain things. They are bypassing, discussing things that are really important. And basically, again, not experiencing the emotional response to things that are going on in the world. So like most psychotherapy, 
uh, our goal is to help people balance and have congruency between thoughts, feelings, and actions, and to be aware of those thoughts. I'm sorry, those feelings along with those thoughts. If you're in automatic pilot all the time, you may be much too divorced from those thoughts and numb to those thoughts. And then you're not really living life fully. And, and again, you might make decisions based on a detached sort of mindset as opposed to really feeling your feelings. As corny as it sounds, you really do have to feel your feelings mm. to be able to make good decisions. But you need the balance. So Cecile, to answer your question, there is a degree of balance that people need. And not everyone can acquire that. You don't want to make a lot of decisions in your life unconsciously. You know, right. we autopilot as an unconscious process. Mm -hmm. Some people are more conscious of it than others, but a lot of people are so unconscious to it that again, they have no semblance of their emotions. And that's and harmful. The scary part, uh, John, is coming out at the end of it. When you do get off um, autopilot um, and you look back, I mean, it, it could be a bit of a shock too, right? Exactly, you've been sleepwalking all this right. time and all oh my God, I wasn't attending to this thing. Or I have been so distanced from my emotions and from all of the stimuli that comes at me that all of a sudden when I come out of my automatic pilot, it slams me like a freight train because I haven't been dealing with it as I go along. Um, so that's really important to remember. That's why the grieving process, when, when things happen to us and we lose loved ones, there's a process for grieving so that you don't forget about it and move on too quickly. You have to let the heart and the mind get used to it. And so grieving has a purpose. And for some cultures, you know, grieving goes on for weeks. And there's a reason for that. You don't want to be on automatic pilot when you're grieving. Well, I, I, th I think about that often, uh, especially in the time of COVID. And mm -hmm. I know that when my father passed, my father passed 24 years ago. And it, I can tell you that it, it feels marginally easier 24 years later, but not significantly because of the role my father had in my life. But I can tell you honestly that when it happened, I remember walking, in, and he lived a very long, happy life. He lived into his 90s, walking into the church. And as I'm walking and I see the coffin at the end, we're Catholic. I made the conscious decision. I heard it in my mind saying, I can't handle this. This is too, pay too painful. And I actually turned right and started greeting everybody as if they were coming into my house for dinner. And it took approximately seven or eight years, John, mm -hmm. for me to have that mental breakdown because mm -hmm. every time I inched to it, I couldn't do it. And I think about everyone who at has left. Moment, at that moment, your survival skill yes. kicked and said, maybe not in these words, but I'm not ready to feel this just yet. Oh, I absolutely said this. I mm -hmm. said to myself, mm -hmm. I can't handle this. I'm not strong enough. I remember it consciously saying that. And and I I physically started walking down the pew and and didn't yeah. go all the way to the to the front. And I actually eulogized my father, but I I mm. mentally blocked that out. And when I think about all the people who have lost loved ones and are not mm. able to grieve, they were not able to be at their bedside, they were not able to mm -hmm. bury them properly. I I, I worry yeah. about the emotional well being yeah. of our fellow Americans for a lot of reasons, especially this, all the loss that we are experiencing. And and we physically don't have the mechanism to deal with it. I worry, where is that emotion going now? And where is it gonna manifest itself later? Exactly. Remember, throughout our lives, we are experiencing stimuli. Stimuli hits from school, from, from our faith, from our parents, everything, media. And so the mind filters certain things. We integrate certain things and we reject certain things. Mm -hmm. It's 
hard news, sad news, happiness, anything. And so the stuff that we filter out and don't integrate supposedly goes into our unconscious. Hence, when we go to sleep and we dream, this unconscious spills, and then these, you know, these these uh, images and these uh, narratives come out. So the same thing with automatic pilot is is it's a again an evolutionary system, a mechanism that uh, helps us to filter out those things because we cannot process everything. We can't process everything all the time. It has to be a filter system. And but again, when those times come around, the times where we have to feel feelings, we have to be able to turn that off and 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 disengage from that. Sorry, Juan. Yeah, no, it's okay. You know, piggybacking on what Cecile said, my my father passed away not too long ago, and I I did go into autopilot for my mother's sake, for my mm-hmm. sister's sake. All of a sudden, I was in charge of of contacting the funeral home, going to the uh, cemetery. And I know it was a way for me to get through it. It's like I went into producer mode, like I tell my my TV friends, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. I knew what the end goal was, which was to get my father buried, my mother organized before I had to fly back to Los Angeles. And I did it. I was I very I was very glad with everything I did. And then finally, when I came back to L.A., I could be watching a TV mo- a TV show where there's a tender moment between a father and son or a father and his daughter, and, and I'll break down into tears. And they're happy tears, if that makes sense, right? Uh, because I'm remembering my father. So I, I feel like I, I was able to, like you said, go into autopilot and then pull out of autopilot when I needed to because I had something that I need to get needed to get done. Yeah, and luckily you had the consciousness to be able to be aware that, wow, I've been on automatic pilot, and so now it's okay for me to feel. Lots of people don't even know that they go into automatic pilot. When I was 14, my 17-year-old brother passed away, oh. and because I felt I was the middle child, because I, he was the older brother, because I felt I needed to be strong for my family, especially my mom, who was completely crushed by all of this. Um, I went into um, automatic pilot until about the age of 23 or 24, and then wow. I I came back from college and I got slammed with years of panic attacks and depression. And I, luckily I found a good therapist and I worked through all of that, but it was basically 10 years of being frozen in automatic pilot. And she helped me thaw out literally in my twenties. So John, that's what I would love to garner your, your, your wisdom and your thoughts and share with our listeners, because I believe, and I'm just speaking for myself, uh, as a business owner, as a friend, mm-hmm. as a sister, as a member of the community, I feel that I, I have to be on autopilot for, for such a large yeah. portion of the day or talk yes. myself off that ledge and keep going, even though I think I'm jumping off the cliff. I just trust that a net will appear. That I that I think that what you said is, is so key that thank goodness that we have those moments of clarity that we know we're an autopilot. So what would you, any thoughts, any suggestions for the listeners to say, these are the things that I'm going to do to to stop and ask myself when I'm in autopilot, so we can stop start processing mm-hmm. so much of what's going on. We we are such a divided nation now. We are, there is so much fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's anger. There's sadness. Mm-hmm. What can we do? What can we share with our listeners that that are tangible things that they can do to start allowing themselves? So I call it the pressure valve. Some moment where they're they're allowing themselves to breathe and, and, and gain a little bit more center and more, mm-hmm. more clarity. Well, what I, the way I work with my patients is, is we do a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is helping you to restructure your thinking mm-hmm. so that you to 
negative events a little bit differently. But the most important one is called mindfulness training. And mindfulness allows you to each morning or each afternoon to check in with yourself in a very non-judgmental, very calm way. And this lowers the central nervous system. So it's really about checking in with yourself and allowing yourself to feel whatever you're going to feel in the next few hours without needing to go into avoidance. And then also to be aware and be your own sort of mind detective that the next time I feel stressed out about something or something's bothering me, to take five minutes and to pull back and actually examine the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, try to recognize what's going on and just acknowledge. You don't have to indulge deeply into something that you don't need to today, but just acknowledge that there is an emotion there or there's a problem there. And I may not be may not be able to acknowledge, I mean, to address it today, but I need to address it. And maybe even just to be aware of what's going on instead of the complete denial and avoidance. I think that's great. I, I, mm-hmm. I love the concept of mindfulness training. I think we could do an entire podcast on that. Oh, and yeah. I think it would be really mm-hmm. beneficial to, to people because um, I, I know that sometimes folks ask me, Cecile, how is it that you stay so calm and stay so steadfast? And I want to laugh and I say, I feel like a duck on a pond. Up on top, I'm just gliding through the water, <laughs> but underneath, I am pedaling as fast yeah. as I can. And it is emotionally yeah. exhausting. And I think mm-hmm. that at some point, it does have physical ramifications. And I worry not only about our mental health and strength, but also our physical health, irrespective yeah. of COVID. Look, we know what long-term stress does to the human body. We're not so sure about short-term stress, but we know about long-term stress. And long-term stress lowers the immune system. It suppresses it. Um, There is, um, you know, heart disease connected to that, high blood pressure, all kinds of physical ailments, as well as maybe depression as well, increased depression. So again, the built-in system to go into automatic pilot is there. One, it doesn't work for everybody and they don't know how to do it or can't access it. And two, people access it too much. Mm-hmm. So again, we need to be aware of when to access it correctly. And the best way to do that is just to talk about things. You know, uh, uh, mental conditions are so stigmatized in the United States, actually yes. all over the world. And so people are tendence, have a tendency to default into, I don't want to share these things with people because mm-hmm. one people me as weak or I don't want to burden people but as we're discussing we need to discuss that stuff absolutely and I can say even uh, culturally there mm-hmm. there are some cultures that uh, embrace that more so than others and put a greater a stigma and negative um, conditioning yes. around seeking uh, counsel uh, for your mental health we especially uh, among gender uh, men certainly yes. in the Hispanic community are expected to be very strong and very brave and be able to resolve all these things on their own right. and in fact it's it's just being human that allows you the I think the the human right and of kindness to yourself yeah. by, by taking care yeah. of your mental health and then there's also what we call internalized stigma which is you start to hear what everyone says about feelings and emotions and 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 you know stories that you hear about other people's difficult times and then if they're having a tough time with it then we integrate that so it's an internalized type of thing mm. um, we learn you know uh, from movies from family from friends from clergy from therapists mm. and stuff so um, we have to be careful you know what kind of messages we're sending out to people. And so how does that affect, how does autopilot and all of it coming at us and, and our ability to process, how does that, how has that been affected with the age of social media mm. and ever connected? 
I think in many ways it's been good because um, you can get an, you get you can reach out and touch people all over the world, and you can use the media, uh, social media, in a really good way. But in other ways too, um, social media has isolated us as well mm -hmm. too. You know, people are building relationships with people online all over the world through Snapchat, through Instagram, and all that stuff. But those are not real relationships. Those are, you know, there's nothing as good as human touch and, and, and human company. So I'm not so sure that in that sense, it's as healthy. So again, that needs a balance as well too. But I think in terms of technology and social media, ever since we went down on lockdown here in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. I think it was March 19th, it's been very, very helpful. Can you imagine if we didn't have the internet or we didn't have social media once this started, my God, it would have been such a horrible thing for the elderly, the people with addictions, the people with mental health conditions. It would have been a complete disaster. Absolutely. And just mm -hmm. as a, from a business perspective, businesses yeah. would have collapsed. We would have not been able right. to, uh, in 36 hours or so, most businesses had to go into a remote work base uh, instantaneously. And without the benefits of technology, uh, just from a structural perspective, it, it would have just not worked. One thing that I, I wanted to, to um, ask you, I was thinking about the origins of autopilot, and I thought, well, given its origins, that it was really a, our self-preservation, fight or flight. Um, yes, does it, for Does it favor more um, reacting to negative feelings or feelings of fear or feelings of self-preservation, or is it neutral? Is it just a, 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 an ability to do things on autopilot? It depends on the individual. There are some people that are so susceptible to fight, flight, or freeze response system that it could be just being late for an appointment, but it feels like there's a gun to their head. So uh, it depends on the person. And I'll but tell you why I asked that. I'm sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you no, why I asked that because mm -hmm. I look at how divided we are as a nation and how it seems like before I would have thought that you'd had to put a lot of kerosene and a lot of logs on a fire to turn it into a flame that it is today but it seems like now it just needs a little breeze and people are up mm -hmm. in arms mm -hmm. i mean there is real anger there is and i share a lot of that outrage for the social injustice um yeah. and there's too numerous to name in this podcast or a week long <laughs> of podcasts but so i was thinking about that as i was thinking is somehow us being on autopilot um is it is it fanning those flames it, is it does it make it easier for us to become enraged <laughs> Uh, again, I think that if it doesn't go to any extreme and we somehow have a balance around it, um, it's important to have your convictions. It's, it's important to have your opinion. But I think it's also important not to make others wrong for their own beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, I'm enraged. I'm a social justice advocate. Um, I'm a champion of destigmatizing mental illness. So to me, that stuff really bothers me. But I have to, I have to keep it in perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone is going to see... Uh, my vision, not everyone's going to share uh, what I feel. So uh, automatic pilot, I think, in a sense, does help. Uh, look, my automatic pilot makes me come home after work and doesn't make me turn on the TV. Sometimes I cannot watch the news. I have to practice the news hygiene and not get exposed to it because it upsets me. So automatic pilot, in that sense, I don't think I'm in denial about the news. I just think that I can't, I can stay updated. In other words, what was the quote? Update, but don't saturate. So 
you know, stay aware of what's going on, but I can't take on too much. It's just too much for me. It seems, John, what you're talking about, uh, and it's something that Cecile and I talk about a lot on this podcast. You mentioned it already. Mindfulness, balance, awareness, uh, take yeah. five, you know, all that really does come into play. It doesn't mean that you're ignoring what's going out um, no. around the world. It just means you've decided for, for tonight, for today, you're just putting it aside and you'll pick it up tomorrow or the next day or whenever you feel comfortable enough to do. And for anybody who follows this, that it's okay to do that. That's right. I mean, the best problem solving tool is to say to yourself, you know what? I may not be able to figure this thing out, whatever it is that I'm stressed out about today or this hour. So I'm going to pull back, take five and sort of um, consolidate my resources and to and have some perspective about it because um uh, uh, fear thrives on uncertainty. It prospers on uncertainty. And so we've had so much uncertainty since March uh, or maybe even since February or whenever you want to think, <laughs> whenever, whenever it started. Um, and so um, there has to be some kind of management of all of that stimuli coming at you all the time. And again, taking five and figuring out that I can't figure this out today and that I need to focus on things I do have control over, which might be taking care of my kids, going to work and stuff like that is the best thing that we can do. It's like hunkering down and focusing on those things instead of larger pictures that we have no control over. John, what about, uh, and I thought about this also, we, we did a, a podcast on artificial intelligence and social media and, and how... Um, a lot of these algorithms are designed to keep us going down a particular rabbit hole mm -hmm, and, and consuming mm -hmm. more and more. So my, my question is this, um, is, it, is it possible that the, the confluence of autopilot and being fed uh, through, through social media and the internet, constant images allows that, that uh, fear, right, to, to continue to, to react in an individual, which continues to elicit actions in, in, a, in a person without their own awareness of it that will lead them to a, a behavior that maybe if they were able to consciously pull themselves out of that, um, they would think differently and therefore continually augmenting a belief system or something they believe it's true where it just may not be, but you keep getting, getting hit with that image, with that story, or, or that that source of information, and you never stop to say, well, is there a different thought out there? And I'm saying that, obviously, because there is so much social arrest, and we have now almost an inability to talk to each other, and to me, as a nation, as a republic, as human beings, that only takes us in one direction, and that is uh, all bad, you know? That is an ability to coexist, and that's not what we're here on the planet to do. We are here to live together. Yes, you're talking about one of the biggest disadvantages, again, of um, electronics, I'm sorry, of, of technology. And um, I mean, thank God for Zoom and Skype and all those things. But even that, we're still not in the same room. <laughs> As evidenced by, by trying to get on uh, uh, the call the today. The closest you can get to. But you're right. I mean, what kind of a life am I living when, again, all of my contacts are all over the world and they're not really, you know, real sort of face-to-face -face contacts? But then again, to get back to your point, um, yeah, I think that one can, sorry, that was probably me. One can saturate um, and one can, you know, be, have too much exposure to the media um, uh, and to social um, uh, social media. So um, again, I think there has to be a balance there too. You're right. 
I'm a little worried about the direction that all of this is going. So again, it enhances our lives, but it also separates us in a big way too. Back to balance again, having a healthy balance. So uh, John, we so appreciate the time that you shared with us today, and we can definitely mm-hmm. uh, go on for, for hours. There are so many other topics that you've raised that I think we could absolutely dive into. Certainly mindfulness. Uh, I think yeah. that that would be uh, yeah. a real value that, that our listeners, I personally, would, would value that, to, to get a little yeah. bit deeper, dive a little bit more granularly, to walk away with yeah. some takeaways. Happy to come back and show you the mindfulness protocol that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, that involves some breathing. It involves sensory perception. Um, it involves all kinds of things. And I have people do it three times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not when you're stressed out, but, you know, morning, hopefully morning, you know, midday and then evening. And then that brings the parasympathetic nervous system, the one that comes to the body it brings it back online because when you're anxious all the time, that system goes offline mm-hmm. and so that brings it back. And there's tons of research on how effective that is. And, and, and to follow up on that also the, the, the mental health. So for me, that has obviously a, a great physical, mm-hmm. uh, uh, physical and mental benefit, but also focusing on, on the, the mental aspect of this and how we give ourselves more permission uh, through yes. this and certainly after this to, to reach out in a real human way to connect with each other and find pathways with people that we trust or groups that we trust, even if it's online, to allow ourselves to talk our truth of our experience through this, all that we feared and we had to keep bottled up because we needed to move forward and persevere and care for ourselves and our families or care for our communities, our soldiers who are out there uh, dealing with their life plus their families back home. I think that that is uh, something that's really important for all of us to give ourselves the space, the safe space, using your mindfulness Mm -hmm. techniques to allow Mm -hmm. that information to sink in without judgment or or prejudice. I think that that is something that we all could deeply benefit from. Yeah, listen, psychotherapy is moving very quickly away from the traditional talk therapy and talking about your past Mm -hmm. and your family, trying to connect the dots to more behavioral techniques like mindfulness, like EMDR and all kinds of other. Yeah, it's shifting. So now I do a combination of both because I can help somebody restructure their thinking and have different thoughts about themselves, which are more positive, but the body hasn't caught up yet. So when you're scared about something, your body goes into survival mode. And so survival instinct sometimes keeps people in this mode for a long period of time. That's because they have either have a faulty automatic pilot or the automatic pilot stopped working. So um, yeah, I would love to talk to you about that in the future. There's a lot of good stuff in there that's pretty eye-opening that you may have never even have heard of. Absolutely. And and think of the, I, I we always look for the silver linings and right. things. And think about the silver lining that we are still theoretically on lockdown, that we get to experience this with you and we get to learn this with you without having to be surrounded by anybody else in the comfort of our own home, right? Where no one needs to know that we're doing this versus having to walk into an office and, and, and maybe going through the anxiety, the neg- anxiety of, it, right? of that. We get to do this in, yeah. in the privacy of our own home. What a gift that would be. And I've, actually, I've actually appreciated a lot of people that I've seen. You know, I walked into a Target the other day and I saw everybody in there wearing a mask. I mean, it's required, but, you know, and I thought, you know, we're pulling together by staying, you know, we are doing this. And I felt a little solidarity, a little camaraderie with people. So, um, and hence with the two of you having this great conversation, 
that's also nice too. So I well, John, before we let you go, um, if any of our listeners want to know more about you, your practice, your yes. podcast, how, how do they find you? Thanks. Yeah. So my podcast is called Mindfulness for the Soul. Wonderful. And on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts. You can find it almost anywhere. You can also go to my website, which is johnsillenparis.com, and it'll have the links to the podcast. The podcast is about, you know, mindfulness, relaxation techniques, but it's also about psychological tips to get you through the day. And um, uh, it's been doing very well. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, people can get a lot out of it. Um, and yeah, I've, I've written a lot of articles for the Huffington Post. I also have a YouTube channel. It's called Psych It Up, three words, oh, Psych <laughs> So we'll, we'll have all this information on our website, uh, endswithz.com in our resources section so that if our listeners want to find you, they, they know exactly where to go. Okay. Absolutely. Well, well, John, thank you so much for being with us. We, we appreciate understanding the benefits of being mm-hmm. an autopilot, mm-hmm. but we, we respect the, the advice that you've given us in sharing your wisdom and, and as always reminding us that if we want to be in control of our life and really not just survive, but thrive and live the life that we want, we have to take the self-awareness and the control um, and do it with kindness and compassion and empathy for ourselves, and, and uh, allow ourselves to really thrive and find a community that will support us in doing so. And mm-hmm. certainly we encourage our listeners to listen to your podcast and, and visit your site so that we can all psych it up and thrive in a, in a really good way. That's right. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Well said. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for having me. For more information on John Silimparis, go to our website, ends with Z under show notes. His last name is spelled T-S-I-L-I-M-P-A-R-I-S. Please like, subscribe, and share so we can all thrive together. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Juan Fernandez. I'm Cecile Munoz. And for executive producer Sean Moe, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day because above all else, you matter.